Hello, this is Larry with the Black Financial Initiative with Eric and Terrence. We have the part two interview with Lawrence, the financial neighborhood guy. Let's get into it. But I got a, I have a question for you. So how do you view budgeting and saving versus investing? So you talked a little bit about the budgeting, talked a little bit about investing. Where do you see those two marrying up? Is oh, one shoot. more important? Is it's, one. About, it's about to be toxic, man. It's about to be toxic. <laughs> <laughs> I got into this uh, financial game kind of like my, on my Olo, you know, straight up by myself trying to figure out some looking, reading online and understanding the math uh, from beginning to end. So I didn't start off with like a, a, a personality per se. I didn't hear somebody in the podcast and say, I'm going to follow that person to the death of me. In truth, I just follow, I, I understood the concept of what they were. And things like the debt, uh, when you hear debt snowball, I'm like, nah, you're probably better off with the avalanche method. But nobody wants to know about that because they don't they just hear it from one person that they thought is successful. They're not doing the deep dive that they need to because financial knowledge is kinetic. You have to be able to understand what you read and you have to add more action to it, more energy to it. And it's better than just kind of like following somebody to the death of you. So for me, uh, when somebody says, hey, budget and save, this is not what the game is in 2021. The game is all about investing. Everybody is investing their way to, to wealth. Making 0.01% in your, your bank savings account is something like your grandma, grandmother did because back in their day, they didn't have access to investing like we do today. They, we, they really don't. If you had to think about it, like back then you had to leave work, go to the bank, sit at the bank, you know, waiting the whole line. The guy shows up or the woman shows up. They tell you what they're going to invest in. And you just believe them for what, what they did. Yeah. If the money went down and the money went up, you have no idea except you got to take some time off again from your nine to five. You got to go to the bank and have this conversation all over again. In this day and age, all of that is on your cell phone. You can invest in whatever you want to invest in right You know, today. And nine times out of 10, and I, I did the S&P review um, yesterday for a blog post. It, it's up what, almost 30% this year. Yeah. The, the market, the indices are up 30%. Nine times a ten, you could a, a blind monkey could just toss some stuff out and get like forty percent in a year. <laughs> like it, it's getting savage out here, and it's just the fact that people, especially uh, um, people in our community, because we didn't know how to invest. The next step, like first step, was the budgeting, getting enough money, moving past survival. You know, save a little bit more so you could have in, in case of emergencies. We mastered that. Now we have to move forward into the investment phase where your money can actually grow for you dramatically. Because at the end of the day, if you invest, you know, even $500 a month all the way up to your retirement, you could have a million dollars. That's just it. That's, 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 there's no other way to say it, man. <laughs> like you literally yeah. could have a million dollars just like straight up invest in the market, $500 a month, move on with your life and you will be successful. You will be wealthy. Yeah, you can just throw in your IRA or Roth IRA. Yeah, that's $500 a month, end up six grand a year. And that's easy to put in the Roth IRA for tax free. Or just a traditional IRA that's going to actually reduce your uh, taxable um, income as well. So there's these combinations you could do that's going to actually get you right. I think a lot of people hear about the Roth too, and they kind of, you know, they get really hyped on it. They get geeked up. But in truth, for a lot of people, when you, it's basically like this. When your taxes are very high, like a lawyer and stuff like that, and you stop working, then it's going to be based off your previous income or the amount of income that you're taking uh, from your retirement savings. But if you're like a teacher and your, your income was like 40K for the last 20 years, it, being a traditional is not going to hurt you or being a Roth is not going to help you because it's just not going to give you any taxable benefits because you're always at the same rate. 
the people that are shifting up very high might want to go into a Roth and that makes sense for them because they're paying at every incremental step. But ultimately, anybody else, if you're a cashier at Walmart, if you're just making 30, 40, 50K a year, it's not going to like do you any um, good to be part of a Roth unless you're doing some real good day trading and saving a whole bunch of like um, taxes along the way. That gets confusing for a lot of people. That's why I don't get into it. But, you know, it is what it is. I agree with your sentiment about investing. We, we did an episode earlier this year about, and the question was, what's the best way for the black community to increase their net worth? And my, my answer was to invest. I don't have the stats in front of me, but there was a lot of statistics that black people just don't invest as much as white people. So I definitely agree with you on the, uh, the investing part right there. One of those things that they have in taxes, especially at the lower levels of income is the retirement savers credit. So as you kind of like save or invest, the government actually gives you a credit on your taxes themselves to actually do so. So like I said, the, the, the tax code is very beneficial to you if you're doing a couple of things, getting married, getting a home, investing yourself and getting your a better insurance. All of this stuff is actually playing within itself for you. So if people are, are kind of waiting until they invest, until they got the right amount of money years later, they're missing out on all the little things in between that they get phased out from. So if you're if you're like making over 60, that that entire retirement savings is out the window. But when we were making 20, 40, 50, it was still in play. OK, so I was we were going to talk about this later, but you brought up uh, the debt snowball. Now, me and my wife, my wife and I, we paid off one hundred eleven thousand dollars of debt in 15 months using the, the, the snowball from Dave Ramsey. You seem not to be a big fan of, of uh, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> so I'm Dan, I say they're not a big fan. Hey, the guy is from the South. I don't know the guy. <laughs> like, hey, he, he sounds like a good old boy, you know. I, I know exactly. I know his type. I'm not saying that he's a bad dude. I just know exactly where he's from. And I know the type of information he's giving. And that's why I try to challenge people to think about knowledge in a continual sense. Life changes and it, you have to change with it. Dave Ramsey, the advice that he tells other people right now is advice that works for people in like their 40s and their 50s. Pretty much if you're 50 and you have a whole bunch of debt, Dave Ramsey is probably the best way for you to go because you want to reduce as much debt as possible. If you're 20, listening to Dave Ramsey, who's like, what, 60 plus, <laughs> it's probably not the best strategy for you if you don't understand the goal. Because, for example, um, like me and my wife this year, we're paying off a hundred thousand, yeah, a hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of debt in like twelve or thirteen months. And at the same time, we're investing eighty thousand dollars worth of, um, for you know in our contribution. And our contributions, when I did the numbers recently, actually grew already seventy four thousand dollars. So right. the game is like you have to play the game on both ends. It's not right. to say that debt freedom is not a great strategy if you you understand it completely for yourself. It's also that you're missing out on all the benefits that investments can do for you. So instead of just picking one or the other, I do both. Yeah. So I decrease my debt, but I also increase my investments and both are balancing out to increase my net worth. Yeah. And we didn't do it exactly to, to his um, to a T because we still invested in our retirement accounts while we we're uh, doing the debt snowball. But we didn't invest aggressively like in other investments. We pretty much just invest in our retirement accounts while we we're decreasing our, our uh debt. Yeah. And that's exactly the way you're supposed to do it. I think the only thing I'd add to that is that I believe when you're doing the debts, the debt snowball versus debt avalanche is two different methods of mathematically doing it. The debt snowball is more emotional. And that's what his claim to fame is, is that he says that uh, money and personal finance is very emotional for a lot of people. 
So they'd rather stick with small wins over over time. Yeah. But the avalanche method has been proven mathematically to have always been more efficient and also saves you more time and more on your actual interest. So it's, in the end of the day, it's kind of like some people just needs the little wins in between to kind of keep them going. Whereas if you don't necessarily need the wins in between, you could just stick it out with the avalanche and it's always going to actually beat out the death snowball method. On top of that, for me, I try to do something called a, a debt flurry. I guess they, eventually I found out that's what they call it, like a McFlurry or something like a debt flurry. <laughs> like, like you start off with an avalanche, but if something's getting really low, like a, another credit card is at five hundred dollars, I'll pay that off. So that's gonna give me the little benefit, like that that boost that I kind of feel emotionally, and I continue down the the avalanche method. So you're not this. This why I mean, like you have to take information for what it is, understand what works for you. And what's going to be more beneficial for you, and it's going to give you the best uh, opportunities and advantages as well. What what is the avalanche? Do you mind uh, explaining that? The avalanche method is basically stacking your credit or your debt, whatever that is. I didn't even be personal loans. Basically, off the the one with the highest interest, you're knocking down the one with the highest interest, no matter how much the balance is. I think the the opposite might be true for the debt snowball, where you kind of like you're knocking down based off the the lowest balance. So can you yeah. kind of roll it to the next? But the other one is literally the highest interest because that's what's actually stabbing you for the most. This yeah. is why now you see a lot of uh, people saying like, you don't necessarily want to pay down your mortgage too fast versus in investing because your mortgage is, is stabbing you for what, let, let's say if it is stabbing you, right? As a, as a concept, <laughs> is it, jabbing you for like three or 4% versus your investments are growing by 20%. Yeah. You, you can't make up that difference. Like it doesn't mathematically make sense. So it's why people say, like, hey, you're probably better off investing in the short run because it's going to actually, you know, outweigh your, your mortgage. And at some point you have so much growth in your investment that you could even one day say, I'm going to pull the plug. I'm going to pay my entire uh, mortgage with my investment growth. Hmm. Yeah, that's a nice concept, a nice way of thinking about it. So it goes back to what you were saying is, you know, take that knowledge, take that information and then kind of assess and apply it. To fit your yeah. situation, so or get the debt snowball thing, get a little uh, placard, <laughs> like get a, get a <laughs> nice photo on IG, <laughs> yeah. like you you get a little hey with a kid, like you do this, and then <laughs> maybe you blow up, maybe you blow up, and then you you turn that into a business, which is a, a lot of people have done it too. They turn that into a business and it works for them. But I I theorize, and that's my biggest theory, is that there's a lot more people that fail at the debt snowball than we actually realize. Um, or the Dave Manley plan, the baby, the baby step plan, because I've actually seen one person in my job. She was following his steps and I, we had the same amount of debts. Yeah. I had a hundred. She had a hundred. She's a very smart girl, smarter than me. And she's like, I'm going to um, consolidate my debt into a whole personal loan thing. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. A year later, it turns out she consolidated her debt, but she actually picked up new credit card debt. So she was never able, like she started to do the debt snowball, but she failed and she kind of restarted over and over again. I ran into another person at work, yet again, another auditor, like very smart girl, but she did the same thing. And, but she's been on the debt snowball thing for the last 10, whatever, 15 years or something. I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm like, shit, I don't think y'all doing this? I'm like, oh my God, but but for some people, if you're really focused, it works because it's not the actual snowball plan or the Dave Ramsey plan that really helped you. It's you. You are the catalyst. You are the person. You are the person putting the action into play. So no matter what the person's words might be, if you don't have the willpower to do it, it's just not going to happen the way it's supposed to. 
So a lot of people relapse and they kind of, oh, I'm going to take this vacation with my friends or I feel bad today. I'm going to do renovation at the house. So they keep stacking up more and more debt versus they're not learning the concept that they really need to know that they don't need to spend this much to be happy. Man, you're putting us on game right now, doing a little, uh, little coaching. So that brings me to the next question as far as you volunteer as a financial coach for the Prince George County Community College Center. Did I say that right? Is that oh, correct? yeah. Yes, okay. I you know what? I'm gonna say I used to. I'm gonna feel oh, like, like okay. bad. That's because oh. of like right before the whole um, pandemic, that's what I was doing. So once the pandemic hit, things kind of changed up. So I haven't been back in there as much as I want to. But I do a lot more of my coaching just through my IG posts or even the, the blog posts that I kind of you know dish out pretty much on a weekly basis. So the idea is that you get into these like what we used to do over there is that my door was open. They actually gave me an office, which was weird. So every other um, every other Friday, I have a day off for my job. So I just go into that, that office. I just chill and post out the entire day and people would come in um, as students trying to figure out their own finances or even just trying to understand how they could position themselves better in the future. So it was just an opportunity to have that conversation, explain to them what their, you know, what debt is, what DTI is, debt to income ratio, how to own a home, how to invest, what are investments, because there's just a lot of scams and scammers out there. So I think a lot of people have that inner, you know, moment in them. They're like, I, I need to ask more questions, but I can't ask that person because I feel some way about it. So they just want to have a conversation. And you end up finding out that the Black community needs more like money therapy than, than actual financial movements. It's just like really talking through a lot of the pains and the struggles that we personally face in our, on ourselves or even stuff that we watch other people, you know, while they're, you know, stunting on the gram. Even the, the, the little thing that your friends are stunting on the ground might be playing into your own psyche about how you want to spend money or how you want to save money or how you want to live. So all of this stuff is not necessarily good for the Black community who spends way too much time on social media to begin with, which is actually proven <laughs> by all these reports. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. And we need to have better conversation with our youth and even our the adults. Everybody in the Black community just need to have better conversation and better being more centered into, inside themselves. Because you don't have to go to brunch to have a great time. You could literally be at home. Everybody could come over. You could have better drinks. You could get even more drunk. You could, have, you could share re- recipes. You know, like you could do all that stuff and you could just exclude this extra step. And yeah. damn, my, my co-host is going to say, damn, Lawrence always talks about brunch. <laughs> like, <laughs> shoot, she got me. I feel like we're in a way trying to counter the rest of uh social media in, in a way it's, it's like because people look at it and like you said we stay on it a lot and you see a lot of the material things and people going out and doing this and that and spending money on this and we uh glorifying certain things and so people feel compelled to like man i have to do this i have to pay for this i have to acquire this and what we're trying to bring to the bring back out to the masses is you don't necessarily have to do that it's it is cool and beneficial to save some money to invest uh to worry about your retirement your 401k so i i think we're in a way trying to glorify and show the other part the other side of things and for a lot of it too i think you know i tell people all the time about social media to realize that's like that's that person's what they're posting on there is their best times yeah you know they're not they're not going to tell you when they were most likely in debt or they're not going to tell you they got a bad deal on this you know they're posting you know, the car. They're not telling you it was 15% interest on the car. They're not telling you, (laughs) 
anything they like that. You know, they're posting. Yeah, they're not taking it. They broke posting. right now, man. Right. <laughs> they broke right now. Exactly. They're posting the best moments, you know, of their life. The highlights, basically, is what they're doing. You know, everybody looks good on highlights. Yeah, with the filters too, with all the filters. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. like, get the filters, get the outfit on, get the spanks, you know, get the spanks on that sucker, pull it together, suck in the chest. <laughs> get the lineup, guys, get the lineup, let's do it. Always looking fresh. Yeah, my, my wife showed me a clip uh, yesterday where it was, you know, petite uh, white woman, you know, pretty fit. She was doing some type of like fitness model or whatever, doing a little photo shoot or whatever and and you see like she was fit but she didn't have no backside <laughs> so they, they <laughs> yeah i saw the same one man you the saw algorithm sent me the same one yeah. <laughs> like algorithm <laughs> put in those like prosthetic ass cheeks man and i was like <laughs> hey that's what people are doing angles gotta get them angles gotta flex for the gram gotta do right. it and it's actually very sad man it's sad because Recently, in 2019, me and my wife went, well, before she was actually my wife, uh, we were just dating at the time. And that was by the end of the year, I actually proposed. But we went to uh, 12 countries in 14 days. People was like, yo, how did we pull that off? Some some person who I was out there is like, are you on sabbatical? I'm like, what the hell is a sabbatical? Turns out people take breaks to just do stuff. I I can't afford a sabbatical. I can't do this. But I was trying to show people that, yo, if that was always my passion, you know, travel around the world and trying to do it. Like I was going to do it by myself. And then my my girlfriend, well, my wife at the time or, you know, however that works out. (laughs) My wife, (laughs) she was saying, um, first she's like, I'm going to come in for like one trip, uh, one one of the countries. Then she was like, I'm going to come for two or three. Then she's like. I'll be there for all of it. Like, damn it. <laughs> here, here I thought I was just gonna be riding out, you know, by myself, chilling, enjoying my life. But she was like, she was gonna hop in on that, and it was just an amazing adventure. And it wasn't as much as people. Um, if some people spend, I don't know why, but they spend on a lot of different things. But it ended up costing us together uh, seven thousand five hundred dollars or something like that. But a lot of it was some points. Oh, for all of it, I'm talking like from the the rooms. It's not like we're you know just skimping in the corner somewhere, like hey, in somebody's crazy ass house. That's not how it worked out. We were literally going from country to country, enjoying ourselves, taking a lot of the you know the the culture behind it, a lot of the tours, a lot of the the the, the touch of the the food, the history, all of that. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't as much as we thought, and a lot of it too because we weren't spending as much on things that we didn't love anymore. For me, I stopped going to happy hour because it, it, I wasn't successful at happy hour. You know, back in my dating scene, it just didn't work out. It was kind of lame. I was like, well, I went back home. It was just like a waste of my time. So ultimately, I started finding things that I wanted to do. And eventually, I just cut out the stuff I didn't, I didn't care to do. And that's where I found the extra money to travel like nobody else could actually travel. Like, and it was actually fairly simple. And I recommend to people to just think outside the box, be different, and especially if you travel to Europe, that thing is easy because there's always a train to go to another country. Yeah, you just link that sucker yeah. up, just link it up. So what's, what's your favorite? You, you went to like 14 countries or uh, oh. what was your favorite? Ah, man, uh, favorite. It's kind of hard because uh, like I think flying to the south of France was actually really dope. I'll never forget that moment because we were flying on top of like, it felt like we were about to land inside the water. The water is pure blue. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I'm saying this thing is amazing. We land and you just felt luxury. You felt like you arrived. <laughs> like, you know, like, like at one point, uh, D-Wade was actually in the lounge. And I was like, oh, I, I was like, 
I'm like, that guy looks familiar. My, my wife was like, no, nah, he doesn't. Stop looking at these people. <laughs> like, 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 so it was like, but he does. And then Richie was like, that's D-Wade. <laughs> like, and then he's like, don't, don't do anything. He's like, calm down. I, I'm like, I'm going to be calm. I'll be calm. I'm going to the restroom. I'm going to come back. And lo, lo and behold, he left. You're like, oh, he was leaving. I was like, do you know oh, who this man. was? <laughs> I was with, with a man, you know what I'm saying? I was with him. <laughs> but one of my favorite countries, though, is uh, Portugal. Lisbon is just amazing. It's just an amazing mm-hmm. feeling, easy to go through. And it's just like one of those stopovers that people definitely need to stop over and kind of like engage in it. It's amazing. When, when you're in mm-hmm. Europe, the guys like to make fun of me. <laughs> when you're in Europe, did you try any beef tartare? Beef tartare? What the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> I'm with uh, yeah. them. Like, what the hell are you trying to beef tartare? Where, 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 what country are you in getting just random beef tartare? <laughs> like, hey, man, I, I don't remember if it was in France or Italy. wanted to. We probably, traveled. Probably it France. Was, yeah, it might have been France. I, yeah, it was France. But yeah, it was, I mean, I try it, man. It was, it was good. Well, yeah, I, I had it. I had like no. escargot or something like that, but yeah. for the most part, yeah, I didn't get the beef tartare. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> like, I, I ain't gonna take something I don't understand where it comes from, what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna need this thing to, to be real food. <laughs> and Larry had some, with us. some ground beef with uh, salt and pepper on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like undercooked, undercooked, undercooked. And that, that cooks it all. It has a different flavor, man. It's undercooked. <laughs> He sent us a picture of that. We were all like, nah, man, that's not it's a pass. <laughs> yeah, but some of the food it. is amazing, though. Some of the food is pretty amazing. So some places just don't got it. Like, I think Ireland don't got real, no real good food. So uh, I'm sorry mm. for anybody listening to this from Ireland. So <laughs> right. right now, I'm mad. I got the drinks. <laughs> I don't have the food. I just had meat and potatoes, man. <laughs> I'm about to say, Ireland seemed like one of them places you just gonna have for dinner. It's, it's potatoes, rusted potatoes, and, and a, a nice and a beer. beer. Yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. beer. Stout. Rusted potatoes. <laughs> like, Jameson, Jameson, like liquor. You know, he's like, hey, uh, hey, I get down with Jameson. But there's a lot of good times, though, man. Traveling is really in. in it's really amazing if you're doing it the right way. I think some people are doing it to kind of like get dressed to go to a location to take a photo, but they're not really oh, yeah. engaging in that that moment. I saw some people try to do that and other tourists, we look at them like, right, and mm-hmm. people I live there, we look at them like, what's the point of that, man? Like, are you coming in? You can tell somebody like wobbling on some hills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like it hurts, but all you're doing is just taking a photo so you can get back in the car, go back to wherever and just, just posting it back out. That's not right. really engaging. It's just, yeah. in my opinion, that's just a waste of your money. You're just buying some likes online, and that's about it. Yeah, you know, well, I, I I enjoy emerging into the culture that I'm traveling yeah, into. Me too. So. Dude, I study the language, man. I know some. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was studying. <laughs> I was out there Same some here. Spanish, some French, some Portuguese. Oh, man, y'all, y'all really deep in it. Hey, man, you just, <laughs> I had to survive. You can't just right. be out there just kind of like. Don't know what you're doing when you're traveling to 14 countries. You gotta know something. Oh, that's true. But I, I will give out a warning though. Do not drive in. I want to say Scotland. That was when I drove. It was. It's stick shift. Everybody know how to drive stick shift. It's one thing. It's stick shift, but imagine stick shift on the other side of the road. Yeah. And on yeah, top of that, it's reversed, so the stick is on your left. And your wheel is on the right. Oh yeah. It is wild. Yeah. It is some wild stuff. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, I try to learn the language, but I, I, I never try to drive. I just, I just do Don't the do it. public transportation, whatever they have. So, yeah, I tried to learn the language when uh, my wife and I, our honeymoon was in Spain and Madrid. 
Uh, so I learned enough to, you know, help get by a little bit. So, uh, but I don't know a darn thing now, but at least it, it helped out on the trip. But man, so many people there just in Europe speak so many different languages. That's true. And then you have Americans. Uh, Americans oh, were it's beautiful, man. <laughs> Guy in Madrid was mad at. Well, I was. I was trying to get something, and I, at that point of the trip, I was completely blurred. You know, like when you know too many languages, you kind of like I don't know what's going on. The guy know how to speak ten languages, and he's like, he he apologized to me. He said my English is not that good. I'm like, you know, ten languages. I have failed you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> if I, you can't communicate, it's not your fault. It's my fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I had a question about, like, out of all the things you did when I went on the website, I saw the NetMax finance plans, and I appreciate you for breaking those down. Like, I think you had one for, like, like a single parent, one for, like, a, a single person, one for a couple. With those different plans, was that from your, how, in developing those, was that from your experience, or was that from, like, the research you did to create those and just figured it would work? research that I've done from the very beginning. So people are trying to figure out what did I do? So I ended up doing the net, I just call it the net max financial plan. So it's kind of the way that I've approached uh, wealth building, paying down debt and really growing, you know, trying to do it in theory, trying to become a millionaire in less than 15 years. That was the, that was the game plan. And I had to work my way back, kind of how I learned to problem solve. So ultimately, I ended up creating the other ones like for a single parent, because I know a lot of single parent um, in my uh, network. And they're like, hey, can you do something for us? And I actually reached out to them trying to figure out more like how do they live, how they kind of like interpret money or things like that. And they helped me create or tailor a plan that would be beneficial for a single parent uh, or a person that's taking care of like uh, their elderly parents or whatever it is. If you have a dependent, that's the plan for you. Then you have like uh, the one for uh, older people. I created that with, you know, the help of older people as well, trying to figure out what works for them. One for a college person. So ultimately all these plans and one for a family, like a person that actually has like, I think he has five kids. So I, I worked with him, you know, to actually oh. develop that, that plan because everything is going to be different. And that's why you right. can't just take one person advice, you know, face value because not everybody's financial situation will look the same. So especially if you're in a family mode, it's a different level of like, you know, an emergency funds you want to have on the side for things to kind of happen. And it's just a different way you want to structure how you involve your family into creating generational wealth versus in kind of like, you know, trying to be like saving as much as possible or you, you really can't. So you have to kind of like play the game differently. And that's what those plans are. They're available for free. You know, like anybody could print them out, walk through them. And I swear to you, it's worked. Uh, for other people that actually tried it in the first year, you're going to be like, eh, ain't nothing. Third, third year, you're going to start looking back like, mm, my net worth is actually growing more than the average person in America. And then you're like, oh, by four years, you're like, damn, like when my homegirl, she followed it and she ended up getting a home in four years. Her net worth went to, I believe it's 250000 now uh, from um, negative. I think she started negative 50 and now she's on 250000 uh, after oh. four years. And she's also has her own YouTube now. And she's also one of my co-hosts for the Financial Grill. And it, the conversation we have now are a lot more fruitful because she understands finances more than anything else. And that's what those plans are. They're not like, hey, copy this and your life will be better. No, copy and engage in this. And I swear to you, by knowing more about finances, your life will actually change for the better. It doesn't matter if you're a thousandaire, a millionaire, a billionaire. It doesn't matter. It's just like you need to embrace information and just change your life. So yeah. it's not like financial literacy is really important. <clears throat> yeah, it is. 
uh, it's critically important for the black community in this day and age, especially as we stand now where black people are pretty much uh, at the almost like the bottom. There's a time that the Hispanic um, um, community's net worth was a little bit under the black community, but they're shifting up because they're owning more actual you know, assets. Whereas black people are still standing still and waiting for something to happen. In truth, we can't wait anymore, especially with this last pandemic that just happened. I'm pretty sure by the time research come around to giving you the data, black people lost a significant amount of wealth, the same amount that they lost back in the 2008 um, housing recession. It's always mm -hmm. these moments that we need to actually pivot more into what we need to do, but we haven't been doing that as a community or as a culture. We just, in, in theory, I think that's our problem. Our culture needs to change and evolve. Yeah. I, I listened to one of your last uh, podcast recently, uh, and it was a very good podcast. It, that was one of the things you were saying. You were saying that we can't wait for you know handouts or anything um we have to i mean we have to start investing in, in doing things for ourselves now yeah i think uh one of the stuff you see on social media a lot is uh i guess a conversation about reparation and i would say i would say in the end of the day it's not a matter of like yes or no reparation is always a yes for black people period around the world we've owed something but at the end of the day you can't wait for it to come you still have to enact and become a better version of you that's just fundamental as every man or woman, whatnot. That's the goal in life that you need to every day wake up and be a better version of you, no matter what's going on externally. Because no matter if uh, there is um, a collective effort around the world to slow you down, but are you also part of that effort of slowing you down? Personally, I'm not. I want to step myself up. I want to change myself. Because even if I give all four of us, if all four of us got $100,000 today, by tomorrow, one of us will be richer than the other. It's just the way life is. It stratifies itself and everybody eventually either spends money, somebody invests money, somebody shifts money over here, somebody does nothing. But ultimately, there's always going to be a hierarchy um, by the end of the week as to who has more money. So at the end of the right. day, you still have to learn the principles of financial literacy in order for you to shift the way you move around and, and manage your own money. No, it got real deep. It got real deep. Yeah, huh? yeah no, that's what you are. Everybody's been hitting on in our, some of our podcasts, <laughs> some of our episodes, man. That's exactly it. It's just like the mind shift is what we need. Just like the culture said, the culture just has to change. Yeah, a lot of uh, if you took everyone now, basically what you were saying, and, and started everybody out with zero. You know, a lot of people that are millionaires today, not everyone, but a lot of them were still end up increasing and probably become millionaires again while the same people that have nothing probably will still end up broke it just it's not going to be that way for everyone uh but you do have some people based off of their mindset and how they are now and how how they manage their money that's how they would continue to do it it seems like it almost comes down to more so like principles it's like whether i make a thousand dollars or ten thousand or a hundred thousand like i have principles set in my mind that i follow like no matter what it is I think that's why, you know, like he said, it'll, you know, give us all the same. You're going to go into a bracket eventually. Like, you know, mm -hmm. people are going to make their decisions. It's more so principles, how you think about it. Yeah, I found that happiness themselves is something that we have to grapple with, especially when it comes to finances in the Black mm -hmm. community. If you're unhappy, like I look at, we got like a, what, a Nissan Versa out here? 1999 or uh, oh, maybe it's maybe it's 1990 no it's probably 2009 2009 nissan versa even when we become millionaires unless this thing explodes we, it's still gonna be part of this family <laughs> i've driven all types of cars i've driven a tank before like it doesn't really matter to me what the brand new car is because it's all sits there in the parking lot that's all it does mm -hmm. 
it's, it's just a thing. And I think once we get away from having these material things as a definition of who we are, the better off we would be. So it's not about the house. You're like, yeah, you want to have a big home, but who's cleaning that house? <laughs> like, how, yeah, how are you cleaning true. this house? That's it's true. a lot of house for you to clean. You know what I'm saying? So get a house that matters to you. Get a house that actually makes sense for you. So having a five-bedroom home just to have it, just to say that you did, it's not really happiness. You're just chasing, making other people feel bad. That's really what it end up being. It's like you have a better car only to, to make you feel good, but to also say ha-ha to the other person who looks just like you that they don't have the same as you. I'm like, what's the point? There is no win there for the community. My, my pastor used to say, you know, it's spending money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Yeah, all, all to kind of turn it around in a vicious cycle, uh, especially in our community. It's pointless. Yeah. 100% agree. All right, well... We're going to ask the, I guess, the, the question that everybody wants to know here. In your opinion, what do Black Americans need to do to increase our wealth? Uh, we need to pivot fast. And it's not like yesterday. We got to do it as soon as possible because every, every day, every year that we wait, the, the more and more the gap increases. And that, that gap is exponential. No matter if we get $100,000, $200,000 in, in the future, like even my wealth, my net worth grows around like 200000 a year. I'm looking at everybody like, hell, I don't know if you, people can actually catch up to that. You have to start as soon as possible. You have to hope as soon as possible to get yourself right. Uh, and part of it, too, as a, one, you have to commune with yourself, which sounds kind of like religious or something. You got to like really take, turn inward to figure out what your goals are, what your aspirations are. What do you want to leave in this world? And then you have to turn to your, your next, you know, your spouse, if you have a spouse or a girlfriend, a wife, whatever it is, have that conversation with them. What are their goals? Try and marry that up together. And then you have to have a family goal. I don't, if when, when Black people have that, your own personal goals, your, your, your family goals, you'll be set for life. But if you don't have, we don't have a lot of goals. We just kind of roll with things. We just hope things happen. It's not going to really help us out in the long run. So it doesn't matter if you're making a Fifty thousand dollars to a hundred thousand. I've seen people making one hundred and fifty and still broke as hell. Because if you don't have a good goal, it just doesn't matter anymore. Oh man, right on. I mean, I agree, especially with what you're saying as far as setting the the goals and having kind of some expectations for yourself and setting a plan. Uh, if we don't have those, you're just kind of wondering aimlessly, and you you don't keep track of what's coming in, uh, what's going out. Uh, you don't have a kind of a starting point or an end point. So definitely have to plan and for yourself and for your family. Yeah, a man with the plan is uh, is different from a man with no plan. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this. I don't know if you guys are on Clubhouse, but that thing is violence in there. That pure violence. I've, I've never been on it, man. I've, I've, never, never, I've heard about it. But it is yeah, pure violence and toxicity. And you, you I'm doing, it's almost like a research project. We're just watching what's in the community, how, what's the community is talking about. And it's just like gender wars completely because a lot of black men are priced out of, you know, where they want to be. You know, either they're making less, they're either unemployed, underemployed or structurally unemployed, meaning that they're unable to actually get jobs because they have none of the skills. And mm -hmm. once you kind of build a man from zero to 30 with no skill set, it's kind of hard for him to redo those 30 years, mm -hmm. um, at least in, in that one interval. Right? right. So for a lot. So some of the the the. The advice I give, yeah, I'll structure it for the Black community, but I think it has more to do with Black men um, being not in the place that we want to be because we don't have the goals, the long term, the legacy, the idea, the version of who we want to be um, in the future. If we don't lock that in, we're not going anywhere. 
Yeah, we just had a homeboy kind of just talking about this being men, how he just bought his first house and he, he felt, uh, you know, made, made him feel like a man, you know, and stuff like that makes you do feel, you know, like a man. Yeah, I bought ownership, being yeah. able to take care of uh, himself and, and someone else or some people else. So, you know, we're just all trying to strive to get to that point where we can uh, be accountable. Yeah, I bought my home. Woo! When I bought my home, I was like, it felt good. I, I was doing my own thing as I kind of improved myself financially. One of my buddies, he's like, hey, can I borrow some money so I could buy my home? And obviously, I know him. I became his best man at, at his wedding. So I let him borrow <laughs> money as well. And he paid me back all of it. Um, yeah, it was like $15,000 because I had the extra. You know, I basically, I took it actually from my 401k because I was saving so much, investing so much. And I didn't have a problem with it. Even if he kind of took it, I, I I gave him something that I knew I could actually lose and be happy with because that was also interest that I've gained. And mm-hmm. ultimately, he used it. He bought his first home. He also has like a rental property uh, and two other rentals as well on top of that from that initial like support. So part of how we fix ourselves mm-hmm. heals our relationship with other people and literally builds communities. So if we're not doing the things that we're supposed to do, you know, how, how could he reach out to me for money if I didn't do what I was supposed to do? Right. right. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah, what that's we need to do amazing. in the community. Yeah. And now he's like, you know, he got multiple rentals or something like that. Like, so he's trying to go after that version of uh, financial freedom, the cash flow version. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit more fundamental. So I, I do the other way. But it's also it was beautiful to see that because like, yo, I had this extra. I gave it to him. He paid me back. But it also helped him boost up and, and build as well. But it's all based off me making the, the right decision in my life. I, I love it, man. I, I man, love to see it. I love to hear it because that, that's telling us how it could be and how it should be going back to that community, how we can help each other out and improve each other. Just uh, lend a helping hand and and being able to encourage and motivate and educate. So, I mean, that's an excellent story, man. I'm glad you yeah, shared I that. I think that's amazing. And not only giving them money, but being happy for them. You know, oh man, like not, yeah, you don't, you don't feel like you're like, hating, yeah, you're not, yeah, hating, exactly. no, no, you're you not, know? whatever. I'm like, dog, he always, he, I remember him in like college, he was working like three or four jobs, like that's the kind of guy he's always been. So, I was, I was comfortable giving him money because I knew his work ethic, anyways. You know, mm-hmm. that is like he's Haitian with a Jamaican work ethic, man, like you're doing way too much, <laughs> but he, you know, it, it, it was just something interesting to see, and it was kind of like one of those tests. I want to see if somebody could take that money that I've done something with. Can they do mm-hmm. something with it as well? And then he kind of continues and do, does something with his family. We'd actually want to even continue it with other friends, but we're looking at them like step your, you have to be willing to do your life and produce yeah. so we can have for you to, to do what you need to do. But if you're not doing anything, how can yeah. we help you? Yeah. Mm. That's a great point. In the introduction, I, I gave uh, the audience a bunch of stuff that you've done. Tell us a little bit about the um, different contents that you've created. Yes, yes. Uh, thanks again for having me on this podcast. Um, the content I do, I do on um, IG or even the, the website, www.theneighborhoodfinanceguide.com, a website that my, my wife created. <laughs> like, so I didn't create it myself. She actually looked at it. She's like, you trash. And she created it for me. And she, does a lot of, like, <laughs> and she was bored. I'm like, did you, what? <laughs> How you doing so she ended up creating it. So I populated with a lot of information and resources that people could use. We have over uh, almost 200 um, blog posts on there, as well as maybe 30 uh, resources as far as Excel sheets, tax avoidance strategies, um, ways to calculate your budget, what you need to invest in, that kind of thing. 
Um, on top of that, we started, um, me and two other um, homegirls of mine, we started this conversation piece called The Financial Grill. Uh, it's, a, it's another podcast out there where we have, you know, basically money conversation, but really talk about uh, money in a way that Black people talk about money. Um, just having a, a good time with it in the diaspora sense. Um, other stuff that I do. Man, I do stuff, man. <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I, I do things, you know, so I'm trying to do as best as I can to kind of generate my next uh, cash flow, but my goal ultimately is to become a millionaire in the next two years. So you can follow the entire journey, man. It's all online. <laughs> yeah, please follow his Instagram account for sure. That's that's how I uh, I learned about you, your Instagram account. just It seems like every hour you just have facts. Just It's like this, like this, like this. Just, just <laughs> dropping it. I, I get like one <laughs> like here and there. I got one post. I, I got one like. I did the, man, I'm going to let that thing ride out. <laughs> like, 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 you guys are cold. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> like, and I'll definitely be downloading your podcast. I, Larry put me on to you, and so I'll definitely be downloading those. I really appreciate you for uh, stop, for stopping by, man. No, it's a great opportunity, and I, I love this conversation. I think we should have more of it, and I, I actually appreciate you guys having this conversation all the time, all, also online, because we need everybody talking about this as much as possible, because the next, well, by 2040, it's going to be really bad for a lot of people in our community. And that's why it's important and imperative that we step the hell up. Yeah. 2040. How did you come up with that number? Um, 20, like, for example, yeah, that's why I do all the, 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 the pure on calculations, theories and all that stuff. <laughs> and I, put it on, I put it on the website and I, I literally dive deep sometimes in those moments of nerdness and I kind of get that information and I just blow it out of my mind. But ultimately, the average uh, U.S. household spends $63,000 in 2020. And by that account and by that metrics, based off of inflation, even at three or four percent, by 2040, it'll be a hundred thousand dollars per household. So even by whatever you're doing right now, it'd be like literally a hundred thousand dollars. So you're either gonna be priced out of the market of owning anything because the way the um, housing goes up, especially in urban cities or anywhere, it's 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 anywhere like five to ten percent. It's nasty. And if you're um, your raise only goes up by maybe two to three percent a year, if at all. Yeah, and yeah. inflation is also going around like three to five percent. You're literally kind of like not running as fast as everything's running away from you. You're slowing, slowing down. It's like running uphill while the other person is running like with, a, with a, not even running. They're they're riding around with a bike while you're running after them uphill. <laughs> this is not it's not working out for you. So ultimately, uh, the way that we're set up, the way that we spend. Um, and the way we glorify our spending is actually going to bite us in the ass. It's just mathematical, bro. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's all the math. Nobody wants to yeah, do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. the math. It's the numbers. No emotion. Just just numbers. So you think, hey, I don't want to read the the, 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 the stuff. I'm like, do you, my friend? Do you? But I, I don't think you want to <laughs> see the 2040. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we appreciate you coming for sure. You, I mean, you gave us some great information. Anybody, you guys have anything else to say? Uh, I guess where can they find you? Like, what's your exact like Instagram? Oh, the the long name, man. At the neighborhood finance guy. <laughs> like, so this entire <laughs> name. You can find me, or you can just Google me, Lawrence Gonzalez or Lawrence Delvin Gonzalez, and you know, I'll pop up anywhere that you find me. So the man's all over the internet. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to step up, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to get even more. <laughs> like I want to be able to like, hey, you Google me, you see me pop up. Now these other Lawrence Gonzalez that exist. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to blow them out the, the water. I'm like, create these guys. <laughs> and well, yeah. you're on, on your way to doing that, my friend. Thank well you. Thank you. Way. And I hope I, I see you guys out there, man, on the top lines.
2040, we're going to be looking down at people. Like, mm, right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you should have invested. Tell, <laughs> telling you now in 2021. <laughs> you know, hey, that's, that's about 20 years. Uh, get yourself like, get your life together. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again. Um, I'm going to put all this information in the uh, the notes for the podcast so you can uh, click on it and pop right up. Uh, please check us out. Tell, tell your friends and family about Black, Black Financial Initiative as well. Um, so thank you guys and everybody have a good day. Thank you. Peace. Peace.